0: Hey, this is Robin Lundberg of Sports Illustrated, CBS Sports Radio, Sirius XM, and you're listening to the On the Board Sports Podcast, because why not? Another edition of the On the Board Sports Podcast. I am your host, William Trucci, aka Will C coming to you from Long Island, New York, still quarantined. Yes, everything's gonna be slowly opening up here in New York, but we have another podcast episode that's gotta be recorded, and we're doing it. And I am joined right now by my co-host, West of Me in Queens, New York, the one and only Sean Thomas, aka Shawnee on the mic. Sean. How you making out, bud?
1: Well, happy Parlay Thursday, pal. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, the weather sucks. Um, but uh, besides that, I'm doing well, man. How are
0: you doing, man? I'm doing all right. You know, can't complain. And, you know, got the gym in back of me. But, Sean, we have a very special guest with us. Joining us all the way from Los Angeles, California, is the voice, the TV voice of the Los Angeles Kings and is the voice of NBC Sports Network when it comes to doing NHL on NBC. We're talking with the one and only Alex Faust. Alex, it's an honor to have you on. How are you?
2: I'm good. How are you guys doing? Uh, everything everything seems to be slowly uh, rumbling back to life, as you said.
0: Yes, absolutely is. You know, It's slow, but slow and steady wins the race as the old tale always says uh alex how did you get into broadcasting number one and number two where did this whole you know love for broadcasting begin for you
2: well i mean it really started uh back in back in high school Uh, you know i always wanted to be in media both my parents kind of worked in that space and uh uh, you know, I I had been involved in kind of before esports was a thing. I had I was kind of a, an esports announcer, I guess, in high school. Um, you know, just messing around and, and you know, little uh, simi It was back before this whole concept of i-racing, which uh, has taken off in the quarantine. Uh, that was at the very forefront of it. But you know, it was really just you know channeling kind of a, an interest that I had since I was a kid. Uh, you know, I, I realized I was not going to be an athlete, so you know, I wanted to be in sports somehow. Was fascinated by the people who got to announce the games and tell stories and be a part of it all, and just wanted to find an outlet for it. So I, uh, I kind of just found a way in college to get involved with the student radio station. Again, not knowing much about the industry or about what I wanted to do, or even whether I wanted to make it a career, just more of a passion project than anything else, and. And it took off from there. Uh, I got involved with the, the hockey broadcast crew at, at Northeastern University in Boston, and the rest is history.
0: Absolutely well said. And Al, you're from New York, and you're from Brooklyn. What, what's that like, uh, coming in and being from Brooklyn to go all the way from the East Coast to the West Coast, having the transition like that?
2: Well, you know, I I will not be the first transplant from New York to live in L.A., nor will I be the last. There are a lot of them out here. Uh, you know, it's it's a very different lifestyle out here, obviously. But the the great part about uh, at least when you know we're in normal times is I'm you know a five hour flight away from uh, from my parents and from family back in in New York City. You know, I'm I'm still very much a New Yorker in many ways. Every time we get to go back east with with the L.A. Kings, it's a uh, it's a treat. So, uh, you know, I'll always be a New Yorker and in many ways, I'll be a Bostonian because uh, I lived nine years there after growing up in the city. So uh, I, I guess I can claim multiple places is my home.
1: Well said Alex, well said. And Alex take us back because whenever a team wins a championship, obviously it's a great thing. The Kings won two out of three years and I read remember watching the last championship that they won I remember sitting in a bar watching the game and they scored the goal and everything just talk about how that was winning those two out of those 3 years
2: Well, you know, I I wasn't here uh when when that happened, but uh you know, I've I've seen <laughs> I've seen the the clips enough and I've I've watched those games in full from start to finish enough to you know, get a sense for how lucky folks are here. You know, they, they got to win two Stanley Cups on home ice. And there are uh, a lot of teams, a lot of fan bases that don't have that luxury. Not only that, one of those, as you mentioned, got to be a, you know, a double overtime Stanley Cup clinching goal. I mean, how how magic is that? Saw that um, lot <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's obviously for, for New Yorkers, you know, there's still a lot of uh, – uh, pain you know with that Rangers team and that series of Rangers teams really for you know that, that period of time uh, who had a chance to to win a Stanley Cup in New York but uh, you know here in LA they raced a long drought as well 44 years for the first one and uh, they, you know they had a chance to be a dynasty they really did uh, you know they went to the Western Conference Final in 2013 as well but uh, you know things happen and Sometimes you can't uh, sustain it, and that's kind of what's happened here is the team's fallen on hard times a little bit. Uh, a couple of uh, finishes well outside playoff picture in the last couple of years, but they're, they're trying to rebuild it, and uh, it seems like they're, they're going in the right direction to get back to being a contender.
0: Alex, for the first time since the 95-96 season, all three California hockey clubs have missed the playoffs, and, you know, for LA, for the Kings, you know, you mentioned it earlier with the Kings not making it to the postseason. Uh, you know, what what is the city of Los Angeles going through right now? I know basketball is mourning the loss. You know, the Lakers have been mourning the loss of Kobe. Uh, not having hockey there, uh, what, what's that like?
2: Well, I mean, sports, period, uh, shut down here for, for the moment. It's been weird, uh, you know, just because it's such a part of the cultural fabric here in a very different way than it is in New York or Boston because there's so many teams. Everything is fragmented a little bit that, uh, you know, you have Dodgers fans, Angels fans, Clippers fans, Lakers fans, uh, LAFC, LA Galaxy, Kings, Ducks. You know, it's there's so, so many different teams, not to mention the college programs out here. Uh, so it's a little bit weird to have things shut down. You know, I think in, in context, the Dodgers are, are the biggest draw right now in the city. Uh, you know, they've won, I believe, seven straight NL West titles. So they're the big deal right now in L.A. And and I think people were taking a wait and see approach with the Lakers and LeBron, especially now that, uh, you know, they're they're building back to being a playoff contender, but they haven't proven it yet. Um, so there's there's been a kind of a mixed reaction with how uh, the basketball teams have done here, but you know, the Clippers lo- loading up in the off and and being a real contender here as well. Uh, I think there's there's a lot of uh, energy uh, directed towards those teams uh, once the postseason begins here, and it's such a shame that they won't be able to do it on their home floor.
1: Yeah, Alex. Uh, to piggyback off of that, as you said, the Kings were one of, if not the hottest team. Before the stoppage, they had won uh, seven straight games. They won't get a chance to finish it, but from what you saw, can you give like a overall season, not necessarily a grade, but how you felt the the team did overall uh, struggling in the beginning and then having the hot streak uh, at the end?
2: I think you put it um, perfectly that there was a you know a struggle big time at the beginning of the season, but you know under a new head coach uh, with Todd McClellan and uh, a lot of new parts and pieces. I mean, this is a team in rebuild, and they traded away a lot of their uh, key veterans from those two Stanley Cup teams over the last couple of years. So they were a team in big time transition, and I think everybody can give the season a positive grade by the end because of how it finished. How it seemed like the team came together. They figured it out. They figured out how to win. And now it's about being able to do that consistently. It's about, you know, in a new season you know, starting sometime next year, whenever, that, uh, you know, even if you're having success, okay, how do you sustain it? Or if you get into a rut, how do you dig yourself out of it? That's what championship-winning teams do, and we will uh, we will be tested in that way. But I- I'm confident that under Tom McClellan, and especially with a young group that uh, is very talented and, and very deep, that uh, they can find a way. And, you know, it won't hurt if they get the number one overall draft pick this summer as well.
0: Absolutely right there. And they have a, They still have the core players as well, as you alluded to uh, earlier. Alex, I, I got to talk to you about the history of broadcasters in Los Angeles between mm-hmm. having Vince Scully for the Dodgers, right? You had Chick Kern for the Lakers and the Kings. You had Jiggs McDonald and Bob Miller along with Ralph Waller. Uh, just talk to us about just, you know, going in and being the next voice of the Kings after Bob Miller left. And did Miller and uh, Jiggs McDonald give you any advice on, you know, just calling a calling hockey game?
2: Well, you know, I try not to think too much about who uh, was here before, but you're right. You know, it's, it's an honor to be in, in those shoes. And, you know, I try not to think about it because they are such legends, Right. Um, you know, I'm trying to kind of put my own stamp on things while respecting that for, for many, many years, you know, folks in L.A. were were used to a, a certain voice and, um, you know, a, a very uh, warm personality to, to greet them uh, every single day. So I try to, to take a little bit of that with me. But the advice that I got was just to be yourself because, uh, you know, people will respect in this town, they will respect uh, authenticity. And, uh, I think that's where I've tried to take it. You know, I, I have not been shy about saying that I will be broadcasting in a very different way than, than those guys did. And, um, you know, I was brought aboard for that reason too, because the, the team enjoyed the, the way that I called the game. Uh, you know, it, it's only hit me once or twice, kind of the, the, stature of folks who have been here for a long time, but I think that goes to show, you know, in a market like LA, uh, where they, there have been so many legends of the game that, uh, you know, you're the custodian of this team's storytelling really for a long period of time. And uh, it's, it's definitely a challenge. It's, it's definitely a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a burden in some ways that, you know, you have to be respectful of the history and and what's come before you uh, all the while trying to, you know, push into the future and and tell the stories of today.
1: Well said Alex. And Alex, uh, like you said and L.A. has the Clippers, the Lakers, the Dodgers, uh, UCLA, USC. The past couple of seasons, two uh, football teams have come, the Chargers and the Rams. With so many sports teams in that one uh, city, do the Kings kind of fight for the uh, detention? Like how do they – like I know they have their core uh, fans, but with so many other things um, going on, do the Kings fans fight it? Hard to root for the team with so many other things going on.
2: Well, I think what you'll find is for any team in LA, really, is that there is a very loyal following for each of those teams. I think they're you know, when when these teams are winning, uh, and the Dodgers and Lakers are no exception, it cuts across kind of every demographic in the city. When you are not in a playoff position, when you're fighting for attention, well, then yeah, you can get lost in the shuffle, and I think that's where. You know, especially going forward, there are so many professional sports teams in this city that even after we recover from this crisis, you know, it, it's going to be a challenge to try to capture folks' attention. Um, but that's why you got to put a winner on there. L.A., more than anything else, respects a winner. And uh, and I think in you know, the last couple of years you've seen that with the Dodgers. I mean, you, even though they've had a challenge getting their television channel widely carried in L.A., attendance hasn't dipped at all for Dodger games. So I think it speaks to, you know, if, if if you're winning, people will find a way to support you. And uh, it's no different for the Kings, uh, even in an environment where you've got, by my count, at least at least 10 professional teams that you're competing against.
0: Alex, the, your story is just absolutely unbelievable. Uh, I have to talk to you about this because this is absolutely amazing. You started off after college working at, at you know, doing an office job, and you wound up going back and doing what you love doing broadcasting talk to us about you know just the transition from working from the office to going into the broadcast well you know
2: I I realized I think way too late in my college career that I wanted to do this professionally but I also looked at it from the perspective of you know I can do this as a passion project I don't have to do this as a career Um, and I found a way you know after I graduated to basically kick around and do freelance you know for forty bucks a game on nights and weekends, a little bit of d two basketball d three hockey um it's you know, it was just to to allow me to have that outlet like anybody you know you have a hobby and mine happened to be broadcasting so i I never found that it was a burden to take on a job elsewhere i actually felt felt that it was a good thing that it allowed me to to have fun with it to have fun with uh being on the air and know so much uh, of the challenge of breaking into this industry is how do you break through when you're in a, in a small market or your minor league team and how do you climb that ladder? And I, I felt like, you know what, I'm, I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to to do it my way and on my terms. And if I were only doing division three basketball or, you know, filling in here or there for the rest of the time, I would have been happy. Uh, and, and I was perfectly happy you know, kind of my first gig professionally in hockey, filling in, on Fridays and Saturdays in the fall with the, with the Utica Comets and Brendan Burke, who, as you know, is the voice of the New York Islanders brought me aboard to be his number two. And that would have been fine. If I had that and some other stuff, great. Um, And that's always been my philosophy is that, you know, I'm, I'm happy with what I have if I get more and I, I will, you know, strive to, to climb the ladder, no doubt. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just a pleasure to be part of the industry really. And, uh, I think that's the lesson that I try to, to give to younger broadcasters who reach out is that, you know, don't go into this with the premise that, you know, everything is going to be sunshine and rainbows. And, and even with a grind, uh, you know, in the minor leagues, you know, you, you have to have a passion for it that that propels you every single day. And if you don't have that, then get a job somewhere else and do it as a passion project on the side and you'll be happier that way. And the dirty little secret is in this industry, there are a lot of people who are working for ESPNU or for, um, you know, other regional sports networks or who are doing play-by-play for, you know, a mid-major or low-major division one school who that is not their primary job. And I I think now that I've seen both sides of the equation, um, that's the advice that I give to younger people that very seldomly do you find this as, a full-time profession until you get to certain levels in this business, and uh, I think you'll be a lot happier if you find a way to to make it fit, you know, in a way that uh, you can still pay the bills and you're not worrying about where your next paycheck is going to come from.
0: Well said, Alex. Absolutely, well said. What, what's
1: that? And Alex. Hey, Alex as we know during the season it's not only a grind for the players it's a grind for guys like you and everybody else so can you tell me and will what is a game day like for you from when you wake up to when you go through the day call the game and you get home what is a game day like uh for you uh
2: well it depends on the game day you know a home game uh, I'll, I'll go to our morning skate. I will talk to guys in the room, talk to the head coach, just to button up any you know stories that have been percolating through the week uh, or, or in the days leading up. Uh, I will have by then on a game day, I like to be done with my notes in advance of a game day. Sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes we've got back-to-back games. That's just the nature of it. But I like to be most of the way done. I'll go home and I'll tidy up whatever I have to finish uh, in terms of uh, prep for the day. Print out all my materials. i'll I'll write down uh, you know stats for the team. Uh, that way, I'm doing as little as possible when I get to the arena and can focus just on the game itself and the telecast and the and the nuts and bolts regarding that. Um, so from there, you know i'll I'll have a quick meal, I'll shower, change, get ready, and I'll leave for you know in l a for a seven thirty game, I'll leave about three o'clock. <laughs> I'll get to the arena uh, and it sounds like, Oh, I'm just, I'm just trying to uh, beat the traffic. And I am, you know, I'll get there at about three forty-five 45 uh, because any later and, and it gets a little bit close, but also I, I like to uh, be able to stop by our TV truck and, and talk to our production crew and get a sense for what we're going to do on the show. And, you know, maybe write out our open, uh, write out a tease if we're going to do that, uh, you know, have, uh, have a quick meal chat with the broadcasters from the other team. And then uh, about an hour before, or maybe an hour 15 before we were scheduled to go on the air, I'll go upstairs and get everything set up in our booths. And uh, we'll we'll knock out a couple of uh, pre-taped elements, uh, go through everything that uh, the truck has in terms of graphics, do an audio check. Um, it, it, there's a lot of prep involved with every broadcast. And that's why it's been kind of interesting to see how uh, you know the, the planning is going to go into when uh, you can't broadcast from site, and you know, you're going to be calling it off of a monitor presumably for this plan to have the 2014 playoff in the nhl uh, how that's going to impact the daily routine and the answer for that i don't know <laughs> it'll be an entirely new thing for all of us.
0: absolutely absolutely uh alex have you had a favorite game that you've broadcasted so far through, through your career uh we had a game
2: uh, first year that i was with the team um the, the Kings had a penchant for late comebacks. Uh, you know, not necessarily in a good way, right? They dig themselves a hole early on. Um, and uh, we had a game late in the season in February against the then expansion Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, we found a way to be down in, in the game early and uh, had to scratch and claw our way back and score the last minute goal and then won the game in overtime The following day, it was a home and home series. We went to play Vegas in their building and beat them four to one. uh, And that really solidified our playoff spot. We still had another month yet to to play. But uh, the fact that we could uh, hang with as good a team as as they were uh, really solidified our our chances of a playoff spot. And it was so much fun to be part of that. Uh, Those are the moments you live for, right? Last minute wins, last minute game time goals, uh, overtime goals. Uh, That's why we're in
1: this business. Well said, Alex. Well said. And Alex, obviously, when you think of the Kings, you think of Anze Kopitar, uh, Dustin Brown. One of my favorite uh, players, regardless of the game, is uh, um, uh, Jonathan Quick. I could just uh, uh, tell us about, like, how good he is, how great he is, because I think he's – at least over here on the, on the East Coast, I don't think a lot of people know how like how good or how great he is. Like could you just uh, tell us from um uh, uh seeing him what your thoughts of him are?
2: Well you know you go back to twenty twelve and twenty fourteen and not to rub salt in that wound anymore more than I already have, but uh, you know the, the those two runs, especially in twelve where where Jonathan won the con Smythe and in twenty fourteen where he narrowly narrowly missed out on the Vesna trophy to, to Henrik Lundquist. Um, yeah, he, he carried the team. I mean, this was a team, the Kings have never been a high scoring team by any any stretch. I think in 2014 more so than 12, they were, um, better suited to, to run and gun with their opposition. Uh, that's how they got by Chicago in the Western conference final, but Jonathan quick, man, when you needed a big save, he was there. He has, um, just an explosiveness and an athletic, um, uh, way about him that uh, I don't think is matched by other goalies uh, and I think when you see uh, others try to emulate him you know it's it's a reason why Jonathan has been a little bit injury prone in his career his, his flexibility his athleticism his explosiveness uh, and I think going into the later stages of his career why it's 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 tough to see him struggle at times because you know what he's capable of and he'll still show you and I, I still believe he's capable of uh, you know, for any team needing a stretch run uh, into the playoffs and and to try to win a Stanley Cup, ours included, you want Jonathan Quick in those big games. He revels in uh, pressure moments, and uh, I don't think it can be understated how much of a fierce competitor he is. He is uh, when he's locked in. You uh, almost you almost get afraid to talk to him because he's just so fierce in, in his <laughs> disposition. But he's he's uh, he's quite the competitor, and he's one of those guys you love having him on your team, and uh, you would hate it if he were on another team.
0: Alex, talk about you know the young Kings that are coming up right now through the pipe system, through you know Alex tercote the next probably the best prospect in all of the Kings organization. Talk to us if you've seen him play at all, if anything. And, you know, what I know the Kings had a bad season this year. I know the Kings are probably going to get a, a very good draft pick. But talk to us about the development and growth of Alex Turcotte.
2: Well, to be honest, I haven't seen Turcotte play very much. Uh, he played one year at the University of Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, we were wondering whether he was going to play another season there. All the scouting reports that I had indicated he had an okay year, not great. Right. Um but you're right. He's he's one of our top prospects for a reason. You know he'll he'll slot in in a top six role most likely. Uh, that's the way he's projected at least. Uh, I think from our standpoint, you know, we, he fits into this mode of we want uh, we want guys who can play make. Uh, we want guys who are are fast, who can play fast, who think the game really well. And uh, all the scouting reports I've seen on Alex have been outstanding. So we'll see what happens in development camp this summer. But uh, all the indications that, that I've heard are that, uh, you know, he, while he may not be with the Kings next year, he may spend a year with the Ontario Reign, the American Hockey League affiliate. Uh, he'll be with the, the big club before long.
1: Well, so that's – and Alex, um, as you um alluded to, Gary Batman uh, came out the other day and said the whole 2014 playoff and are uh, trying to choose between two different sites and – the round-robin uh, games, uh, so on and so forth. What's your take on the proposed 2014 uh, playoff plan pending the date that they are going to start?
2: Well, it's ambitious, I think, uh, especially in the middle of a pandemic, to try to do something of that scale. But uh, you know, there's a lot of money on the line from media partners, and I think the players wanted that. Um, I, I can't blame them, and you know, unlike the the challenges we've seen in Major League Baseball, in, in hockey the players share in the profits and they share in the losses. So there was a clear motivation from both sides to try to get something done. And uh, I got to give a lot of kudos to uh, to not only uh, Gary but also uh, Bill Daly uh, and you know the entire NHL executive suite, the NHLPA with Don Fear of, of getting something uh, to this point. I think what you're going to see is one of the most competitive hockey tournaments you will ever see. Every team is going to be healthy. Every, you have 24 who are involved, including some who had no chance of being part of the Stanley Cup playoffs before. They're going to be motivated. You're going to see teams that were just barely uh, below that cut line to get a first round by, be extremely motivated to not get knocked out in a, in a qualification round, the play-in round. Uh, it's it's going to be an incredible tournament. I hope we can make it happen. There's no certainty at all, but uh, I, I hope that they can find a solution to not only the logistics and, and where to hold it, but also uh, to keep it safe. And if we can do it, I think it's going to provide a lot of great entertainment. I think it's going to be one of the
0: most competitive hockey tournaments you'll ever see. Do you To piggyback off of that, do you see yourself or do you see like any media uh personnel like you know top broadcasters going in and, and doing this i don't
2: know uh that's an interesting question and i think the national rights holders would like to have their announcers on site but i think in keeping in the spirit of safety and utilizing this as a as a one-time opportunity to try different things i think they'll uh, they'll have broadcasters site. i have a hunch um and we'll see what happens. We'll see how uh, insistent uh, media rights holders are. I think local broadcasters for sure will not be on site. Could be wrong on that, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they're not going to travel. We'll see what happens with the national rights holders. It is going to be a televised prop, no doubt. Mm-hmm. So to the extent we can make it as compelling as possible, and to me, uh, that includes having broadcasters on site, um, I would love that, but I don't know how feasible it is in this environment.
1: Yeah. And Alex, one of my favorite things to watch is the Frozen Four. And I know that you have the chance to call one. Can you just take us behind the scenes of having the four best college teams on the ice, battling it out? Because I don't think college hockey gets the recognition that they, uh, the uh, that they you know, deserve because it's a very exciting time of the year for the Frozen Four.
2: Yeah, and it's a shame that it couldn't be held this year. Um, you know, it, it's it's so different than the Stanley Cup playoffs because much like March Madness, everything is done in neutral sites. Uh, you know, everything is done up to, you know, the pomp and circumstance of the NCAA. Um, but you, it's also single elimination, right? You don't really get that in other levels of hockey college hockey is one of the few that that continues for their national championship to do a single elimination format so it raises the stakes and every goal is magnified every goal can can be a game breaker um and and covering that uh, the frozen four a couple of years ago in chicago was an absolute treat uh, just because of the setting you know it's the united center it's one of the biggest buildings in the nhl and uh, to see it sold out uh, with with fans from around the country, it's a pilgrimage, really. Uh, you get it's amazing how many different jerseys you'll see in the concourses uh, that that fans are wearing from all around the nation. Uh, so it's it's a fun event, and uh, I encourage anyone who hasn't been to one, uh, give it a shot. It's it's an experience unlike anything else
0: you'll find in in hockey. Absolutely, right there, Alex. For me, I got to talk to you about your co-host Jim Fox. He does a great job with you doing the the color commentary. What's it like working with him and it have have you ever had a, you know, a favorite color commentator in in your uh in your time doing games?
2: Well, you know, it's uh it's funny. Jimmy has been uh, an incredible friend really um you know, away from the booth as well uh, we get along so well and we had instant chemistry uh after my audition it's it's been great to work with him on a regular basis i'm I'm so um proud that i get to call him a friend and, and a broadcast partner um you know he's he's been at this for 30 40 years he's seen everything he's an institution with the la kings and you really get that sense working with him that uh You know, he's, he's got tremendous stories and more than anything else, it's fun. It's fun to work with him on a regular basis and uh, be the the foil uh, that uh, I I get the sense that he hadn't had for many years because Bob Miller carried the show for so long that, uh, you know, he gets to be the star in many ways. And, uh, you know, we, we have a great banter back and forth. Some fans enjoy it. Some fans don't, Um, but it's genuine. It's earnest. And that's, the bottom line uh, with us, and I couldn't couldn't ask for a better partner.
1: Well said, Alex. Uh, well said. And and Alex, my final question uh, for you, pal, is: With everything that's uh uh going on with hockey and everything uh, like that sort, did you have a favorite team or favorite a uh, player, regardless of sport, um, um going up?
2: Well, I grew up a big baseball fan. I grew up a Yankees fan, right in the height of their dynasty in the late '90s and the early 2000s. So, you know, very fond of those teams. And you know, it's one of them. When you're a kid, you watch every game, right? You don't miss one. And um, that was a team where I I rarely missed a game. You know, it's hard when you when you start working in the business. Uh, you know, other than my alma mater, you you can't really be a fan. Uh, you know, and I say that with. You know acknowledging that you you still want your team to win you know i still want the kings to win on a regular basis but you know i can't i can't root in the same way right and we have a, a you know as i mentioned a, a custodial relationship right where i you know i have to treat it with respect i i can't be a raging homer uh you know I, we have to document what's going on so it's a little bit different now working in the in the industry i think the the biggest challenge is um, to be able to have a level of detachment while still rooting and still being passionate. Um, you know, I, I have a passion for this organization. I, I love uh, how, you know, they, they take risks. They try different things, especially in a market where uh, you need to be a little bit different. You need to cut through. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's still hockey. And we still have to, to treat it with respect. and We have to uh, treat the, the game with respect and be able to, to explain what's going on in, in a way that, you know, diehard fans could understand. Um, you know, we, we can't treat it with kid gloves. So uh, I enjoy now this role of, of being able to take a team's stories and elevate them on a nightly basis.
0: Alex, my final question for you is you're from Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn is basically known for food. And I'm a pizza guy. I'm sure you're a pizza guy. What is, if there's one thing that you miss about New York, what food is it that you miss? And what's your favorite pizzeria from Brooklyn? Oh,
2: well, that's easy. I, it's definitely, uh, you alluded to it, you know, I'm a big pizza snob, uh, <laughs> but but my neighborhood joint in, in Sunset Park Johnny's Pizzeria is uh, close to my heart. I've been going there since I was a kid. Uh, you know, the next time that I'm in New York, I'll be heading over there and, and giving them business as well. Uh, You know, they're just like so many institutions in New York City, small businesses who are struggling right now. uh, You know, they they maintain a special place in my
0: heart, for sure. Well said, Alex.
1: And Alex, me and Will, thank you for coming on the show. Before we let you go, how do the people follow you on social media?
2: Yeah, I'm on Instagram and, and Twitter. Um, you know, Faust underscore Alex on Instagram. Uh, Alex underscore Faust on Twitter. Um, <laughs> you'll find a lot of work-related postings there. Um, I don't know how entertaining a follow I am, but uh, but if you wish, <laughs> they're there.
0: Well, Alex, a great interview. Dude, you you are the American dream. You are the American dream. I just want to oh, let I you know appreciate that. that. I appreciate that
2: it's it's uh, I'm living the dream every single day I I don't forget that for sure absolutely
0: Absolutely. Alex thank you for coming on and sacrificing some time with us all the way out from California to talk to us from Long Island and Queens New York respectively a native New Yorker like us as well Alex thank you so much we really appreciate you and stay safe out there man
2: thanks guys I appreciate the invitation for sure
0: absolutely Uh, you're always welcome back on well, that was Alex
1: Faust of the Los Angeles Kings taking some time all the way out west, about 3,000 miles west of us.
0: <laughs> yes. time, man. Absolutely. And not only is Alex one of the more genuine guys, but like I alluded to earlier, he is the consummate American dream. I mean, think about it. You go and you, you start up in an office job, you know, to go and pursue your dream of broadcasting, and, and you do that. That is what America is all about right there, ladies and gentlemen. And Alex Faust is that. Not only is he the voice of the Kings, not only did he start up in Brooklyn, New York, and make his way up to Northeastern University and broadcast games, but he's doing his dream, and he's working, and that's what matters most. And he's young. I'm 29. I'm going to be 30. You know, Sean, you know, you're, you're, you're older than me. Alex is the same age as us just about. So that's totally, totally awesome to hear uh, and, and see that. So for the people out there that, you know, want to be broadcasters at all, you know, look no further than to Alex Faust.
1: Well said, Well, well said. Will, any final thoughts on this ep- uh, episode, pal?
0: Uh, no final thoughts here. Just want to thank Alex again for coming on and sacrificing some time with us. And Sean, again, great job by you as always. And, you know, it's been absolutely crazy uh, what's going on in the world right now. Uh, but you know, we just gotta just stay as one and just you know keep on fighting the fight at this point. Well said, well said.
1: Well, uh, no final thoughts for me. Just like you said, want to give an Alex a shout out again for uh, coming on the show, and uh, that's about it, man. Uh, great job by you as well. So, for my co-host William Truchi, aka W C and for our guest joining us all the way from L.A., California, Alex Faust of the Los Angeles Kings. I'm your host, Sean Thomas, a.k.a. Shoney on the mic for on the board sports. Continue to be safe. Continue to stay safe. And we wish everybody the best. Peace out.